Welcome to Secrets True Crime, the disappearance of Jessica Hamby. I'm your host, Amber Sitton. What is done in darkness will eventually come to light. That is the purpose of this podcast, to shine light on the disappearance of Jessica Hamby. Listener discretion is advised. The subject matter may involve violence, sexual content, murder, and adult themes. This episode does contain foul language. It is not suitable for younger listeners. This is our first update episode. Jessica Leanne Hamby has been missing since January 3rd, 2018. At the time of her disappearance, the 24-year-old mother of three was a beautiful brunette with big hazel eyes. She had a head full of long, thick hair, was five foot two inches tall, and weighed about 125 pounds. In the five and a half years since Jessica was last reported to be seen, the stories regarding her disappearance and fate have been plentiful and the facts scarce. Although we announced that our last episode was the last recurring episode of the season, we assured you that we were not done working on Jessica and Jeremy's cases. We have continued our work, and we now have additional information that we can share with you. In 2021, well before we began podcasting about Jessica, we learned that an Alabama Department of Corrections inmate had given information to authorities about Jessica Hamby's disappearance. While some of the details must remain confidential for now, we will share as much of the story as we can. The inmate gave a statement to an ADOC investigator We know who the inmate is, but we cannot and will not share that information. The inmate reportedly said that he raped Jessica, was afraid his DNA would be found on her remains, but he had nothing to do with her murder. He claimed that he could take authorities to the location of Jessica's remains, but he was adamant that local sheriff's office deputies could not be involved. He expressed fear for his safety if deputies learned that he had given a statement about Jessica and the location of her remains. Our sources told us that the Alabama Department of Corrections had coordinated with the Alabama State Bureau of Investigation, which I'll refer to as the SBI moving forward, the Russellville Field Office, to take the inmate to the location where he said Jessica was buried. The SBI agents were asked to leave local deputies out of it, but they brought at least one local law enforcement officer anyway. The inmate became visibly and vocally upset when he saw the local law enforcement officer. The inmate was driven to the location he specified and showed investigators where he said Jessica had been buried. 
the area was described as having a slight depression, like a clandestine grave might be as the ground settled. Our sources have said that SBI Captain Dwight Thompson and other special agents from the SBI were present, along with at least one local law enforcement officer from the Marion County Sheriff's Office and a federal law enforcement officer, Joe Brown, who is the sole law enforcement officer assigned to Bankhead National Forest. There could have been others present, but those are the names we were provided. After showing investigators the location he claimed Jessica had been buried, the inmate was taken away from the area. Law enforcement had arranged for a human remains detection dog and handler to be waiting nearby, and the team was brought into the area. The dog covered a pretty wide area, but only hit in one location. Our sources have indicated that the dog actually hit three times in the same location, which was within a few feet of the spot indicated by the inmate. Despite this, the possible grave was not excavated, and we were told that decision was made by SBI Captain Thompson. As I mentioned, we learned about the inmate and this field trip to Bankhead National Forest as soon as it happened, almost. Afterwards, we heard that the field trip was unsuccessful and nothing was found. We didn't learn many of the details we've shared with you until later. For example, we didn't know that the human remains detection dog had alerted multiple times on the same location indicated by the inmate. We began to hear rumors about this months later, in 2022, but unfortunately, We didn't know the location other than it was somewhere in Bankhead National Forest. For those of you who are not familiar with Bankhead, it is a vast wilderness that spans more than 181,000 acres in Winston, Lawrence, and Franklin counties. So our knowledge that the inmate claimed Jessica was buried in Bankhead was the equivalent of finding a needle in a haystack. We also had not yet learned the identity of the inmate. As we began our own investigation into Jessica's disappearance, this was something that was always in the back of our minds and that we persistently tried to obtain additional information on. It wasn't long before we began to receive information regarding some of the people connected to Jessica's case and a location in Bankhead. Shortly after identifying that location, we learned that it was extremely close to the location that the inmate had led investigators to. We learned that the inmate had taken law enforcement to one of the many cemeteries within Bankhead, but we still didn't know the exact location that he had indicated. We knew the cemetery was the landmark, but we didn't know if the spot was actually in the cemetery or in the forest surrounding it. We quickly made arrangements to search the area with HRD dogs in October of 2022. The dogs and humans searched for many, many hours. 
we searched the cemetery and large areas of the nearby forest as well. While the dogs never fully alerted, there was an area at a grave in the cemetery that several dogs had great interest in. And the dog with the most experience hit on that area more than once, which did catch all of our attention. We left Bankhead that day frustrated. If you've never visited, it might be hard to imagine the vastness of the metaphorical haystack we were searching. Shortly after our search, we learned the inmate's identity. He was someone Jessica knew and had spent time with in the past. Many aspects of the inmate's identity made sense, but a few factors left us with questions. We continued to try to obtain the exact location, but it wasn't until recently that we stumbled onto something that led us to it. To our surprise, it was the immediate area that several of the dogs we had brought with us had been so attracted to. Investigators never informed Jessica's father, Keith Hamby, about the inmate or the events surrounding the field trip to the cemetery. After we obtained the location, Keith called one of the investigators to ask about the inmate and what happened. While I don't think the investigators realized that Keith knew about this, he likely wasn't the first to question the decision not to excavate the possible grave. Information we learned from numerous sources indicated that while representatives from multiple law enforcement agencies were involved in the field trip, not all of them agreed with the decision not to excavate the possible grave. Some may have been more vocal about their disagreement than others. The investigator confirmed the basics about the inmate and the cemetery to Keith, but he explained that they felt the inmate had credibility issues. He also claimed that they brought out ground-penetrating radar the next day and that it didn't show anything of interest. We'll come back to this topic later. Around the same time, we learned of a recent ground disturbance in the same cemetery. On August 30th, 2023, we visited the site to see it for ourselves. The ground disturbance was much more obvious and significant than we anticipated. We photographed, measured, and documented the disturbance and the sunken ground. We then drove directly to the Bankhead National Forest Ranger Station in Double Springs. We spoke to the kind and considerate office staff at the ranger station. We explained that there was an issue in one of the cemeteries and that we would like to meet with the law enforcement officer on duty to report it. The staff member called Special Agent Joe Brown, the same federal officer who was present when the inmate was brought to the cemetery. Special Agent Brown indicated that he was busy in another area of the forest and that he would not be able to meet with us. We offered to wait and meet him later in the day, but he did not commit to that. He said he would try to call me later. After the staff member ended her call with him, 
we let her know that we would go get lunch in the area and wait for his call. Special Agent Brown did call about 45 minutes later. While he was polite and nice, the conversation started off a little strangely. The call came in from a blocked number. And when I answered, he said, this is a federal law enforcement officer. He never shared his name. It didn't really matter, as I knew his name, but it seemed odd since we were trying to report an issue on federal land. I mean, after all, I was speaking to a National Forest law enforcement officer, not some undercover operative or the CIA. Again, I requested to meet him at the cemetery to show him the disturbance, but he indicated that he was unavailable. At that time, I told him that the disturbance was in the same immediate area that an inmate told them Jessica Hamby's body was buried, and the same immediate area where a human remains detection dog indicated human remains two years ago. He said that he was aware of those things and that they had been investigating that case. He asked me numerous times what county I live in, and then he wanted to know if I had received any new information about Jessica. That question gave me pause because it was vague, so I asked for clarification. Did he want to know if I had received new information about Jessica Hamby in general? Because I receive new information all the time. Or did he want to know if I received new information about Jessica related to the cemetery on federal land? Obviously, I'd received information that was new to me that led me to the cemetery, but none of that information was new to him. He'd had that knowledge for two years now. My questions seemed to answer his questions, and we moved on. But I will say this. Out of all the investigating and digging and information we found, Special Agent Brown is the only law enforcement officer that has asked if we had any information to share with him. Special Agent Brown told me he would get out to the cemetery soon and that they would be opening an investigation into the matter of the soil disturbance. At this time, we have no further information about what authorities may or may not be doing regarding this situation. Now that I've shared much of this story, there's a few parts of it I want to discuss further. First, we are not telling you that this is where Jessica Hamby was buried. It could be, but it might not be. It could have been Jessica's remains. It could have been the remains of one of the many, many other missing people in that area. Or it could have been nothing at all. What we are telling you is that there were and still are compelling circumstances, and we believe the area should have been excavated two years ago. As mentioned earlier, our sources indicated to us that the inmate was adamant that the local authorities not be notified, and he expressed his belief that if the local authorities did find out he'd given a statement, he would be in danger. We are not offering any opinion on the validity of that claim. In fact, the validity of his claim is moot. 
for the purposes we are discussing today. It doesn't matter if what he said is true or not. Have you ever heard the saying, perception is reality? All that mattered at the time is that the inmate indicated he believed it. Let's not lose sight of what was potentially at stake here. Jessica Hamby had been missing for three and a half years at the time this occurred. Her loved ones, including her three precious children, had been suffering and searching for her for three and a half years. This inmate claimed to know where she was buried, and he was willing to take authorities to her remains. Despite claims by authorities after the fact that the inmate had credibility issues, he was credible enough that multiple agencies and law enforcement officers coordinated moving this inmate from an Alabama Department of Corrections prison and taking him on a long field trip to the remote Bankhead National Forest. I think it's safe to say that at least some of the law enforcement officers believed the information he claimed to possess was true, or they'd have never let him set foot out of that prison. So why were they willing to risk his cooperation by bringing unnecessary law enforcement that he specifically requested not be made aware of the situation? That is why people don't trust law enforcement. There is no acceptable reason that this occurred. Marion County Sheriff's Office is not the primary agency on this case. The Alabama State Bureau of Investigation is. In fact, from what Keith Hamby has told me in the past, that's the excuse that the Marion County Sheriff gives for never returning his phone calls. The location was on federal land, So it wasn't done because the location was in the Marion County Sheriff's Office jurisdiction. In fact, while we aren't going to reveal what county this cemetery is located in, it's surely not in Marion County. Again, I'm not suggesting that the inmate's fear was valid. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. It doesn't matter. What matters is he believed it in his very simple request should have been honored, and the fact it wasn't is extremely concerning. One of the investigators told Keith that they brought ground-penetrating radar to the cemetery the day after the inmate was brought there. GPR is a valuable tool for locating clandestine graves, but I question its usefulness in this scenario. GPR can sometimes detect soil disturbances associated with digging a grave, but the location in question was in a cemetery full of graves. GPR cannot tell you how recently the soil was disturbed. So with graves surrounding the location, I do not see how GPR could be used to eliminate the possibility that a body had been buried. The investigator told Keith that they used GPR to look for a potential grave that wasn't symmetrical with others in the cemetery. However, symmetrical is not a word that would ever be used to describe this cemetery, and that statement does not account for the possibility that a body was buried literally on top of another body. Another concern is the operator's experience and skill 
The investigator told Keith that they contacted another sheriff's office in Alabama to bring out a GPR, an operator, to assist them. GPR is not something that can be learned quickly. It can take an archaeologist years of practice and experience to become skilled at using and interpreting GPR data. You cannot become an expert overnight or with a two-day class and using the machine a few times a year. Ground Radar, a GPR provider for 27 years in 102 countries, states on their website, although GPR is one of the easiest geophysical methods to use, it is also the easiest method to misuse by inexperienced operators. For those reasons, they don't sell their technology to customers. We never intended to include this story in our podcast, but after two years with no visible action from law enforcement, we feel it is important to make the public aware of what is happening, or rather, what is not happening. We understand that you cannot simply start digging on federal land or in a cemetery without compelling evidence, but someone has already done exactly that. Someone has dug in the same reported area where an inmate told law enforcement that Jessica Hamby was buried and where multiple human remains detection dogs have hit. I find it highly unlikely that this is a coincidence, particularly in this extremely remote location. The disturbed ground is approximately four feet by three and a half feet and clearly sunken, with no extra dirt piled nearby. This suggests that something was removed and there wasn't enough dirt to fill the hole back in. If someone was buried there, their remains may no longer be present. Regardless, a forensic archaeologist should excavate the area immediately to search for any evidence of why the ground was dug and what was removed. Two years of government excuses, delays, and red tape is more than enough. Can you imagine how Jessica's dad and her other loved ones feel about all this? We asked Keith to share his thoughts with us. Yeah, actually, I was shocked, but I was not surprised. I mean, I just think it's complete and total bullshit that I was not made aware of the situation. Nobody said anything to me. Of course, law enforcement don't communicate with me when they have leads or find any new information. I have one one investigator that I can call and he will give me some information if he has it. But uh, for the most part, I don't hear anything from him and I haven't really since probably middle of 2019 without me trying to uh, to dig for information and chase somebody down. But uh, I would call the sheriff's department multiple, multiple times, call the DA's office, and I, I would just never get any return calls. I think it's bullshit. The families of the victims should be kept in the loop on every piece of information or as much information as they will let us have. They should give us something. 
tell us something as to what's going on. But this recent development with this information, I mean, it was, you know, I know they're, they're going to say he's not credible, but they say that about everybody because nobody in these types of cases are credible. But just because you think somebody's not credible doesn't mean that there's not some truth in what they're saying. They could be telling the truth for all we know. Evidently, they thought it was important enough to bring him up from South Alabama to take him to Bankhead to this location. So I don't really know what to say about it other than I was shocked but not surprised. Well, I mean, what about now? The inmate could have been telling the truth. He could have not been telling the truth. But now a situation that has been, you know, the details have been kept very quiet, especially the location. Yes. And now we find out that there has been a ground disturbance. I mean, somebody has clearly been digging in that same area. And we're two years out from when they took the inmate there. I mean, how does that make you feel? I mean, your daughter's been missing going on well, six years. I mean, the same way that I felt for a long time. It's really sad. It pisses me off. And it makes me feel like nobody gives a shit about these victims and their families. I mean, it's been going on six years and it seems like nothing has been done except a bunch of spinning of the wheel. You know, Elgin Cochran wrote this, Elgin Cochran wrote that. Poor shit. She got off Elgin Cochran Road. Now I was told this from the very beginning. I was told by Lieutenant Robbie Barton, who was a great guy. And I thought a lot of him. He communicated with me daily, if not one time a day, 10 times a day. He kept me in the loop on everybody. But he told me, he said, it don't matter if the leads, if we think they're credible or if we think it's bullshit. He said, those leads have to be followed. My question is, if the dogs hit on that location, why didn't they excavate? Why did they not dig? That's what I want to know. And I want it dug. I want it dug up. Even if she's not there anymore, if she ever was there, maybe there's some DNA. I mean, we're talking about somebody's daughter, mine. And even if it wasn't mine, I would say that for any of the victim's families. Her kids are hurting. I'm hurting. Everybody's hurting that's involved with this. And I feel like all we have got since 2019 is nothing. A big, fat nothing. And if they followed any leads, I sure as a hell don't know about them. This is wider than North Fork. It's bigger than North Fork. And I want answers. 100%. I mean, this shit's got to change. It's got to change. And I know I've had conversations with a couple of people in the House of Representatives. I'm going to push, and I'm going to keep pushing. So change is brought about because families of victims need to know what happened to their loved ones. I mean, I don't know what it's going to take to get some answers, but uh, this shit's got to change. I feel like that I have been led astray for a long time with the whole Elgin Cochran Road narrative. Okay, if something did happen to her while she was on Elgin Cochran Road, then do something about it. I'm stumped. Why we cannot get some answers. Why I'm not contacted. Why I'm not kept in the loop on anything. I mean, if I have a question or something, I have to go to one person 
Uh, I'm sure he would tell me what he could. But I mean, shit, tell me something. Keep me in the loop. Let me know what's going on. It's my daughter. You're supposed to be investigating this. I mean, this this goes Russell, Hale, Hamilton, Hackleberg. It's not about Elgin Cochran Road anymore. I pray for the victims' families. A lot of them are in the same boat I'm in, some of them. Uh, most of them know where their family member is. I still don't know where mine is. I want to know where my daughter is. I want to know where they put her. I want to know who was involved. That's what I want. I think that's what we all want. What's most upsetting about this is there are multiple agencies that have been involved in the inmate situation, and it appears none of them saw it through to the end. The Alabama Department of Corrections has custody of the inmate. They initiated this. Their inmate gave their investigators a statement, and not just a statement, a confession. They had the power to say, no, we want to see this through but they chose not to pursue it. Then there's the SBI. They made the decision not to excavate. They've ignored the whole situation overall. There was a Marion County Sheriff's Office deputy there as well. That agency could have pursued this. They also chose not to. And lastly, let's not forget the federal law enforcement officer whose jurisdiction this cemetery is in. He could have pursued it at the time and didn't. He can still pursue it right now. Someone has been tampering with a cemetery on federal land. At least one of those agencies needs to step up and do their job. We will continue to work both Jessica and Jeremy's cases and provide updates to you whenever possible along the way. If you have any information that could help to solve the disappearance of Jessica Hamby, please email me at secretscrime at protonmail.com or call our confidential tip line at 205-282-0740. Michael and I will ensure that all information gets to the right place right away. If you are left wanting even more content, please check us out on Patreon. We have it filled with great information about Susan and Evan, Eric and Gypsy, and we will continue adding additional content about Jessica and Jeremy. This podcast is an independent podcast. That means that everything that goes into making this podcast is done and funded by me. All the investigative tools and resources are provided by Echo 7 Foxtrot. The tragedies we highlight and investigate have had a tremendous impact on the victims, loved ones, and friends. We don't burden them with additional expenses to cover their cases. We donate our time and talents because we want to help and hope to find the answers they need that are so long overdue. For as little as $5 a month, you can receive exclusive access to members-only photos, videos, early access to episodes, and much, much more. By becoming a patron, you too are helping us help these families. Patreon.com slash Secrets Crime. 
I'll also post the link on our Facebook page. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast player of choice and by giving us a five-star rating and review an Apple podcast. We are active on social media and will often share photos of Jessica and Jeremy. Follow Secrets True Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Secrets Crime. The audio production for this podcast is by Kane Power at precisionpodcasting.com. Thank you.